We're getting ready to start a new uh, series, which I think we're going to be in for a while because we're going to do the, the book of Acts, which is not a short book. Um, but it's actually a quite exciting book for us to look at because it continues on after Easter, um, which is why we're starting it today because it starts with something that happens about 40 days after Easter, this past Thursday, Ascension. So we're starting to look at that passage. And it's the birth of the church. We're in some ways the birth of a new church here, so it's great to look back at the birth of the church. And it also tells the story about how God's kingdom expands out to the Gentiles, which unless you have a Jewish background, that's us. But it's also exciting because it tells how God's kingdom expands out to the Jews in a way that was never previously seen as well. So let's start by reading Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were all looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go up into heaven. Well, like Caroline said, Thursday was Ascension Day, so I brought an expensive visual aid to help us think about this. And um, I'm going to do the way I quite often do of I'm going to read back through the scripture passage we've just heard, uh, raising my hand so you know when it's scripture, putting it down so you know when it's Kent, and just share some thoughts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So today we're basically looking at the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. Jesus didn't rush up to heaven just because he was resurrected, his earthly job, so to speak, was done. But he stayed for 40 more days 
with his disciples, teaching them on stuff that he must have thought was really important to make sure they didn't miss. And note that it says there at the end that he spoke about the kingdom of God. We'll come back around to that. So he's there for 40 days teaching. Us, we get out of that 40 days, four sentences. So let's assume the four sentences we get are very important because out of 40 days, that's what gets recorded in scripture. And oh my, can Jesus pack a lot into four sentences. Continuing reading. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commands his followers to wait here. They're not ready to rush off and do ministry yet because he says you need the Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, if the very people who Jesus chose, who've been full-time with Jesus for three years, who've heard all he teaches, not just the four sentences we get, so to speak, but all of his teaching. They've seen him do miracles. They've entered into the ministry that he's doing, and he says to them, you're not ready yet because you need the Holy Spirit. Then certainly we need the Holy Spirit. How comfortable are you when someone starts talking about the Holy Spirit? Well, you guys have been going to, most of you, to kind of new wine-style churches here, St. Andrews, places like that. So it's talked about a lot. Well, the, the, the church I grew up in, the Holy Spirit was rarely mentioned. He was like part of the Trinity, so you knew he was there, but you kind of kept him in a corner. And he was actually called the Holy Ghost, which didn't actually mean you felt particularly buddy with him anyway. Well, after I became a Christian... Uh, while I was kind of at university, um, the group that I had became a Christian through was a large, let's call it like a youth church for sake of anything else. The guy who was leading the group was an incredible Bible teacher, but he came out of the time period, this was in the 80s, when there was still that big schism in the church about yes, Holy Spirit, no Holy Spirit. And he was firmly in the no Holy Spirit camp. The rest of his doctrine was spot on. But on the Holy Spirit, he was like, no, that was something that happened for the apostles and the disciples. It's not for us today. And so I was trained firmly into that. And then the group that I was in, because with the youth church, we went to a Christian concert. So we're all sitting there together, big Christian concert, several hundred people, but our, you know, 25 people or whatever are sitting there together get to the, toward the end of the concert, and it's the stage where, first off, they share the gospel and say, come up and respond, and people do. And then we found out they were charismatic. So they actually said, do you feel that you should receive the Holy Spirit? It's a gift God has for all of you today. Come up to the front, and we'll pray for you. And people start going up to the front, and they pray and speaking in tongues. So I'm sitting here in the midst of this whole group, knowing everybody in the group is going, well, they actually sang pretty well, but it's gone off the rails now. Until I felt God saying, go up and be prayed for. Go be filled with the Spirit. I'm going, I can't go up and be filled with the Spirit. You just brought me to this group that's taught me about you and taught me that the Holy Spirit isn't for today. Who are you, God, to tell me to go actually up and be filled with the Holy Spirit? 
But when God starts talking to you, it's like he does this sometimes. And one of those times where it's like, I had no question, but it was God. So it's kind of like, okay. So I, you know, kind of sneak up to the front, but you know everybody's watching going, he's already gotten saved, so that's not what he's being prayed for. So I went up to the front, they prayed, I was filled with the Spirit, I spoke in tongues. That was my first experience, but it was a reminder of the Holy Spirit is not always what you're expecting. But Jesus said, we need the Holy Spirit. But think back to, nah, let's go on from there. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, you're going to give us this great Holy Spirit and give us power. Is that finally the time that we're going to get our kingdom back? And to me, that points out this tension we have as we live our lives between our agenda and Jesus' agenda. It's easy for us to want our kingdoms. Are we finally, Jesus, we followed you, are we finally going to get what we want? Are you finally going to make our lives comfortable now? Give us, give us our power back, is what the Jews were saying, because they were living in an oppressive regime. It's not wrong to want to be free, but they were focused on that. How does Jesus respond? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you've been in church a while, you probably remember the end of Matthew, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. That's called the Great Commission quite often. This is kind of like the Great Commission 2, the sequel. And what he's saying to them is, okay, you're going to be my witnesses here, you're going to be my witnesses there, and you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. It's about God's kingdom. And remember back in verse 3, one of the little bits we actually got kind of looking at what Jesus taught about it says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So as he's getting ready to, as he's preparing them to receive this power, he's actually saying it's about the kingdom of God. And the disciples, I like the disciples, they're so approachable, they're like us. They still haven't gotten it yet. Three years with Jesus, 40 extra days, still haven't gotten it yet. But Jesus is saying, when the Holy Spirit's, you're going to have power. And when that power comes, you can change the world. That's why restoring just the kingdom of Israel, which if you think about the size of the world, the kingdom of Israel is a tiny little place. He says, if you're thinking about just the kingdom of Israel, you're thinking way too small. I have a plan for the world, not just this little bit of land right there. But... It does start right here. Reaches the end of the world, but it does start in Jerusalem. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand there looking? Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go up into heaven. So we get our ascension bit. Jesus goes up. But we're reminded in this that God's timing is not like our timing. The angels and the way they talk to the apostles kind of makes it sound like Jesus is about to come back pretty quickly. It kind of sounds like he's saying to them, you saw him go up, you're going to see him come back, which would kind of imply it's going to be during their lifetime. We, 2,000 years later, know that there's been a little bit of a pause. But the, the, the angels... I do know what I'm talking about. The, you may not, but I do. The angels were sure that the time didn't matter. They were sure Jesus had gone up, he was coming back, and so we should be sure of that too, even though the timing we're a little fuzzy on. So as I said, the ascension, up. The word ascension, not a word we use a lot comes from the word ascend, which you might use a little bit more. It just means move up to a higher place, move up, which of course Jesus literally does, proving that he isn't from around here. If there are people who are asking you, does scripture actually say Jesus was God? That's quite a nice point to point to. If coming back from the dead wasn't enough for you, floating up to heaven, another clue. Um, but Jesus also calls us up to a higher place. So as I'm finishing, I want to point that out. There are four ways for you to think about that. First one is, we have been given the promised Holy Spirit. We live after Pentecost, which we're going to hear about soon as we go through Acts. So we have been given the Holy Spirit so we can move up in power if we let the Holy Spirit move in us. Secondly, but we have been given the job of being Jesus' witnesses here, wherever you are. You're supposed to be a witness. But we've been told as well to tell, three, the entire world about Jesus. And four, we know he's coming back for us. And then we will literally get to go up with him too. So, my final question for you is if Jesus has called us like the disciples to step up, are you up for that? If you are, I'd say don't, you don't need to wait now. We're not waiting for Pentecost anymore. Get started this week. In fact, if you want, you can get started today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much you sent Jesus first and for all he's done but thank you as well that you sent your Holy Spirit to change us Lord I ask that you will send us out filled with your Holy Spirit to change our family our friends and our communities but Lord we also pray that you will send us out filled with your Holy Spirit to bring your kingdom to the whole world Lord save us from thinking too small, but to remember that the Holy Spirit is you with all power, all wisdom, 
all holiness and you've put that inside us. So Lord, help us to expect you to move through us at that God-sized scale. In Jesus' name, amen.